podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast and to January's Forest Ramble. I am your host, Rich Ferraro, and in today's discussion, we will cover Forest's summer transfer business. Did we manage more hits than misses? Do we salute to Wayne Hennessy as the Reds' number two, or should we sign a new custodian while Hendo's on the Mendo? And there's now a real Brazilian influence on the team. Will the Big D get the Reds' fans excited? All this and more, as we have our regular sketch from Jeremy Davis, we discuss mental health and mentality, and we will have a new quiz for you. All coming up in this episode of 1865, the podcast that definitely watches every single Forest match. Now, let's say hello to today's panel, and I'm going to ask you which red signing they think has had the biggest impact at the city ground so far. So, who's that boyish face and charming good looks? It's Baz! Hello. <laughs> um, who's, who's had the biggest impact? Morgs and Froiler. Morgs and Froiler. Okay. And where's that boyish face and, and charming good looks? It's the Maradon the Midlands. Hi. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go for Morgan Gibbs White. Morgan Gibbs White. And hello to Tom Newton. Morning, morning, morning. <laughs> so who would you say has had the biggest impact? To Tom, then. <laughs> uh, full house it's going to be Morgan Gibbs White okay and I should point out as well listener you will be happy to hear that Tom's voice has mostly come back after he'd suffered really badly with the flu over Christmas if you'd listened to our match reports you sounded really terrible so you're feeling better now yeah a lot better thank you good 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 um just before we move on I will just point out that we did put out a Twitter poll uh, one of a series of Twitter polls and uh we asked the fans who they think was the best signing of the summer window. And just because polls only give you a limited number of choices, I did uh, offer uh, Dean Henderson, Morgan Gibbs-White, Serge Aurier, and then other. So uh, Aurier got 7.1, Henderson got 5.1%. Other got 0.8, uh, including shouts for Ramo Freuler and one for Josh Bowler. Um, I'm not entirely sure that was entirely serious there from Bruce. Um and and then Gibbs White absolutely swept the board with 87%. We will come back to the polls a little later on. Okay, um, later on in the podcast, we'll also talk about some of the faces who might yet arrive at and depart from the city ground. But let's start with those signings who joined in the summer window. So, Tom, I'm going to read out some names from the defence and be interested in, in what you think. So we've got... Um, Nico Williams, Serge Aurier at right back, Harry Tofflow and Renan Lodi at left back. And I'm just going to include Willie Bolly as centre half. Now, I'm not including Julian Biancon, Omar Richards or Moussa Niakate because they simply haven't played enough. So, so Williams, Aurier, Tofflow, Lodi, Bolly. What do you reckon, Tom? For free signing, Aurier has been um, brilliant. I think Nico Williams is... Uh... He started okay, then he just, at the time, wasn't doing great, and I think he suffered for it. So, hence why he's not been in the side recently from like a starting perspective. Um, Willie Bolly, when he first came into the side, it was a bit, I don't know, but since he came in for the Tottenham game uh, next to Warren, he's been uh, pretty much uh, solid. And when he went off against um, Wolves, I was a bit disappointed that he went off injured because I thought he was just uh, finding uh, some real form. 
Um, Toffolo, to be honest, he hasn't done anything wrong, really. Every time he's come onto the pitch, he's put in a shift and done all right. But we've got Renan Lodi, who's played for Brazil, played at Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. I mean, he had a slow start, and I think it was just like a settling in period and possibly the language barrier. But since Scarpa's come in, he's been absolutely brilliant. And I sincerely hope we uh, make that sign a permanent at the end of the season if we're still a Premier League club. Yeah, um, I mean, Baz, we talked about uh, about uh, Nico Williams briefly and, and saying you were saying, well, I'm not entirely sure he's a defender. Um, is that just something that you can say to a young player who's still learning his trade as a fullback? Well, this this is the thing. I think there's a there's a difference between fullback and wingback, and wingback is basically all pretty much an attacking position nowadays. And he, I think, he was signed when we were playing a back three, and the the idea was he was going to play as one of those wingbacks. Now that we play a back four, he's got a slightly different role, and I don't think he's he's either learnt that role fully or he's as suited to it. One of those two. And mm. so it's the change that we've had that's made made a difference for him. Yeah, and uh, I would also um, just still with you, Baz. Uh, we were talking um, as well about about Aurier, and and we've we've waxed lyrical about him as well. But in our recent match reports, you've also mentioned he's he's gone missing a couple of times. The, the accusation from Spurs fans was that he'd he'd go upfield and then he wouldn't always track back. And we have seen a little bit of that in the last couple of matches, haven't we? Yeah, I saw a description of him by Spurs fans saying he makes some odd decisions that will cost you goals. And I think we've seen that in the last couple of games. <laughs> OK, um, and Married on the Midlands, um, I'm just going to ask you about uh, the, other, the other two there. So so Willie Bolly, um, he was wandering too much, wasn't he? Wolverhampton Wanderer, who's wandering too much. But since he's uh, basically decided that he's going to stay put. That's obviously to, to do with coaching and tactics as much as anything else. But once he's doing the head it, kick it part, he's made the Forest defence look better and made Joe Worrell look better, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought some of the early criticism for him was was harsh. Um, but yeah, he's he, but he sort of does bring that stability to it and that bit of experience and know-how. Um to the defence and just a calming influence to Joe Warrell as well, I think. I think you see you see when Willie Bolly plays, Joe looks like a better player as well. So, yeah, for, for the sort of couple of million quid or whatever we paid for him, he, he looks like a, a great signing. OK, and um, Baz, you love a defensive midfielder, so now is your chance to talk about Czech Kuyate, Oral Mangala. You can talk about Lewis O'Brien, but let's start off with your mate, Ramo Freuler. <laughs> My mate. Um... If you think back to the start of the season when we were collapsing and getting pulled apart, um, we've said this on all the match reports, every single game, there was one point, one of the goals, at least one of the goals we conceded was where one of their attacking midfielders would get in the space between the defence and the midfield and then do a 20-yard shot that curled past Henson to the top, top corner. And what Freuler has done is he's eliminated that completely. And he doesn't do it by tackling. He does it by cutting, one, occupying the space and does it by cutting out the passing lanes so the passing can't get through to their, their attack. And our solidity has come pretty much from that, from him doing that. And that's kind of why, 
and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, having Danilo in the side is kind of um, an interesting thing because it moved Freuler out of the way. Yeah, let's let's talk about that um, because you and I discussed in our match report from the first leg of the Carabao Cup, uh, which obviously didn't go well, but um, Forrest kind of shored things up after about uh, 20 minutes because they made a formation change, which saw Freuler move from being in the Yates position on the right hand of a midfield three to being um, holding up the base of midfield in a 4-2-3-1 alongside Danilo. And Forrest, all of a sudden, that's when they had their best spell of the game for, for 25 minutes, wasn't it? So... Not a coincidence, I don't think. I mean, some of it is to do with Scarpa not having to look over his shoulder, but I think it's also because Freuler and Danilo were able to provide an, uh, a protective axis. Yeah, and and, and it's that same thing of occupying that space rather than giving them, conceding it to them. Yeah, we'll have plenty more about Danilo a little bit later. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the others. Um, Czech Kuyate, I think, falls into the Willy Bolly category of at the start, you kind of think, well, he's experienced, so shouldn't he be doing much better? But once he settled down and and, and the tactics changed and we went to that sort of 4-3-3 uh, three, three, uh, type approach, um, he'd been a revelation until he got injured, wasn't he? Yeah, and the, again, that was one of those things. It was like learning about the team, I think, because the, the, um, the thing I had noticed was that him and Yates would time each other's runs. They kept an eye on each other and making sure that when one went, the other stayed back and so on. So that gave us this flexibility in midfield that we didn't have with Freuler, obviously pinning it behind them. Then suddenly we had this very, very dynamic moving midfield that made a real difference for us. Mm, yeah, and uh, Mangala in his first couple of matches, he looked like a real baller and then he kind of went off the boil a little bit, lost his place to Kuyate. Uh, and then I would say maybe it took him a, li- a little time just to... Um, uh, to, to develop that understanding in the way it's, it took Kiate a little while to develop that understanding. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I mean, at the moment, we've been playing him effectively in the Kiate role. I don't think necessarily he's quite as cut out for it. He's not quite as mobile as Kiate is, and he doesn't seem to have that same sort of impact. He's much more, he seems, well, he, the way he's been playing recently has been much more sort of keep it tight, keep it tidy. Um, sort of thing rather than exploding forwards which is fair enough and I I guess if we lose Freuler for injury or whatever which hopefully won't happen then he could probably sit in and do that role which is kind of what he was doing right at the start of the season as well. Mm, Yeah okay Um, just a word on on Lewis O'Brien so uh, just like with Toff we signed him from Huddersfield as one of Huddersfield's two best players Uh, I think just like Toff, he's been a little bit unfortunate, hasn't he? And and he had that illness and and he's never really got back in the team. So as we'll hear from Callum in a little while, um, O'Brien looks as if he's going to move on loan to West Brom. I still think there's a Premier League player in there, don't you, Baz? Yes, but it's it's gonna be so it's a funny one because right at the start of the season when we were struggling a lot, a lot of people calling for O'Brien to play because every time he came on. He gave us a burst of energy and he, you could see he was trying and so on. Now, when he comes on as a sub, he doesn't necessarily give us that level, of, that boost of energy. It's, I think he's going to need games to get up to it, get up to it. And I don't see how he's going to get games at the moment. Mm. Tom, anything to add to that about any of the midfielders? I think what's been mentioned is pretty much what I um, would say. Um, but going back to the defence again, I'd um, 
I'd, I'd send Toffler to a nicer club than Anderlecht and just let's ask him if they want Dennis offers. Wow. The punishment okay. from that 84 semi final and got cheated out of it. Okay, well, as you've neatly segued into the forwards there, Tom, uh, you're doing my job for me there. Um, so, married on the Midlands, you always fancied yourself as a forward. So, so we'll we'll come on to the attacking midfielders in a sec. But as Tom said it, let's start off with Emmanuel Dennis and Taiwo Awanyi. Bless Dennis. <laughs> well, I think he's as a forward. I knew that if if you wanted to play well, you needed a run of games. You needed sort of maybe half a dozen games to get get your rhythm going, get your speed and your touch going and just have that confidence to know that if you, even if you have a bad one or two games, you're not going to get dropped straight away. Um, so I have some sympathy for, for Dennis and, and Sam Surridge as well during the course of the season, especially after that Blackpool game, because it's, as a forward, it's, it is really hard knowing that you're only going to come into one game and it's like you may have been complaining to the manager you haven't had a chance and then the manager goes, okay, then today's your chance. And, and it's really hard to just come into that one game and just perform at your top level. Um, I think fitness-wise as well, because he's not played regularly, he's only sort of come on as subs here and there, that's really damaged him as well. Uh, just in the same way that Coyote, Bolly, and one or two other players didn't look at it right at the beginning of the season. Um, you could really tell that playing regular games really helped them. And as the fitness improved, they got better. And so... I'm I'm loath to criticise him too much. He, I mean, he does he does look like a player who's absolutely bereft of confidence now, and um, just sort of, sort of passing it to the opposition and things like that just just doesn't help because the crowd is sort of on his back now. So I still think there's a decent player there. You don't score sort of ten Premier League goals in a season, play for two seasons in the Premier League, and be a bad player. It's just he's unfortunate he doesn't get a run of games, and it's it's such a a cutthroat business and each game is so vital each point is so valuable that you can't really afford to have him given the time to have a run of games find his form um so i do have some sympathy for him there mm, tom i know you want to come in but um just uh, before you do just uh, what was unusual was there's that briefing to the press saying well dennis is going to be made available for transfer and and the coaching staff were unhappy with his contribution in the away game at Man United because he kept giving the ball away and everything. So anything to add on that one, Tom? If he was wearing a Man U shirt, he would have a 100% passing record because <laughs> the only successful pass is made in the last couple of months is to a United player. But no, I, I saw him for, um, play for Club Rouge in the Champions League against Real Madrid and he absolutely ripped it up. There is a player in there, for, but there's always a risk with a transfer. So I think that's what's happened with Dennis. You've signed him with the best interest, but it hasn't really worked for him, has it? Yeah, he's still stuck to the floor at Rock City, isn't he? So um <clears throat> so married on the Midlands. Um let's let's talk about uh Taiwo Awanyi, Jesse Lingard, and of course that man Morgan Gibbs White. Yeah, well Taiwo and Jesse Lingard, I think similar similar to the other things, other the other players I mentioned, um, the more they play, the better the better they've got. Um so that's obviously we found out in the in the Jesse Lingard documentary that he had an injury at the beginning of the season, which wasn't really made public at the time. Um, and so, as, as his fitness improved, his his performance has improved as well. Um, whether we've had value for money for him from him so far, you'd probably have to say no because it's his, his his contribution in terms of assists and goals. He you would have wanted a lot more, but you have to give him the benefit of the doubt with with that injury. 
Um, Taiwo, he was the, the, all the previews we had from him from Germany was was that he he was a rough diamond, um, and he, he certainly showed that in the initial stages of the game. But what I I like about him is that he still keeps on popping up and scoring the goals, and that's, that's something you can't really teach a player. That's just instinct. He's, he, he seems to be in the right place at the right time to score a goal. So I wasn't too worried when he was having sort of bad touches and sort of giving the ball away at the start of the season because that the the ability to be in the box at the right time and score a goal is worth a hell of a lot more uh, than sort of anything else in a striker. And he can teach sort of the, the holding the ball up and, and all those sort of things. So and he, he again is so unfortunate that he got injured in that Southampton game because he was just starting to play really well. Um, he gave uh, Koulibaly a torrid time in the Chelsea home game, and we look it was it's so so unfortunate. So hopefully he can come back soon. And Morgan gives White he's just become such a pivotal player for us. He's, he's sort of our, our hopes of um, playing um, playing Premier League football beyond this season that sort of rest on his shoulders. Really, he's so. So important to the way he plays. He scores goals. He sets up goals. He drives the ball forward from defence to mid uh, midfield and further forwards. Um, and he just looks uh, looks like a forty five million pound player now. Is um, it was a conviction signing from from uh, Steve Cooper, mm. and he could have fallen by it or lived by it. And, and thankfully, it looks like he was absolutely right about him. He, he looks like, without wishing to uh, to tempt fate, he he could play it really top club um, in the future sort of Champions League whatever whatever he wants to he looks like he's got that sort of ability uh, Baz the you know the the lazy comparison was the last time Forrest made a club record signing and put him in the number 10 shirt it was Raul Carvalho but then also at the time that we signed Morgan a certain ex-Forest striker from the 90s said hmm Club record signing. He's from Stafford and he's wearing the number 10 shirt. So Stan Collymore was making positive comparisons before he'd even kicked a ball for Forrest. So, um, yeah. What do you want to say about Morgan Gibbs-White? Um, I would just like to apologise to the bloke in the pub in Leeds on Friday night who was wearing a yellow and green Forrest shirt. And I went up to him and went, Morgan Gibbs-White. And then walked off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's um, that's an unexpected bit of input from you there. So, <laughs> so thanks a lot, um, and and thank you everyone. Now, um, obviously, we haven't talked about some of the other players, um, Josh Bowler, Brandon Aguilera, Wang Yuzhou, because they haven't played for Forest. Um, but we will come on to talk about a few other things in just a few minutes. But before we move on, let's go over to Callum with a roundup of the latest transfer activity. Hi, this is Callum with the 1865 News. Um, since I was last on, there's been a few transfers that have gone through. So we've had Danilo come in from Palmeiras and Chris Wood on loan from Newcastle. Uh, we've had Dale Taylor head out on loan to Burton and Aaron Donnelly to Port Vale on loan as well. Um, there's a few potential incomings, a few potential outgoings at the moment. So Forrest did try for Weston McKenney at the uh, 11th hour before he went to Leeds. Um, obviously unsuccessful there. Um, it looks like Kaylor Navas is in advanced talks with Forrest at the moment. I think everything's agreed with him. Um, but the Forrest and PSG just need to agree on terms as well. That's obviously to cover Dean Henderson through injury, who may miss some important games. Um, Angelo from Santos, that looks like it could be a loan move at first, which becomes permanent if Forrest stay in the Premier League, which is good. He's supposed to be uh, really exciting, 18 years old, one of the youngest debutants at Santos. I think it was 15 years of age. 
change. He started there, uh, a winger. And then it looks like Forrester in for Roberto Gagliardini from Inter. And that kind of ties in with the potential outgoing. So Lewis O'Brien looks like he's close to reuniting with Carlos Corbran at West Brom. So that's where the midfield link has probably come from. And then Harry Toffolo looks like he could be heading to Anderlecht as well on loan. And a few clubs are reported to be interested in Lyle Taylor as well. So it looks like he could head out on loan before the window closes. Um, Cooper, Steve Cooper and Brennan Johnson, both nominated for Manager and Player of the Month in the Premier League respectively, which is really great, really good news. Um, hopefully one or both of them win the accolade. And then um, more recently, Sabri Lamucci is headed to Cardiff. So best of luck to him. I'm sure everyone wishes him good luck as well as the man who made us believe again. Thank you very much. And I'll be back again with the news soon. Great. Thank you, Callum. And uh, we will, as you said, we'll hear from you again very soon. Now, at um, the time of recording, Dean Henderson is obviously out injured. And we do have the issue of um, having Wayne Hennessy in goal. And, and we've talked about this to a uh, to a certain uh, extent in terms of is Hennessy doing the job we'd 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 hope he would do, and and I don't want to rake over old ground there. I think we've 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 discussed that he isn't as good at getting down to safe shots as as Henderson. He's not as commanding. He doesn't have the personality necessarily that uh, that Henderson does. But as Callum said, there there is some talk about Kalor Navas, but also of the Croatian keeper uh, Livakovic. And we ran a poll and we said, if, if Forrest would sign another keeper, who would you prefer? And 31% of you said Navas, 60.3% of you said Livakovic, 3.3% uh, said someone else, and then 5.3% said neither. Um, before we go any further, let's just hear what our Adam had to say about it. This goalkeeping situation is a bit of a strange one for me, right? I would absolutely love Livakovic. Um, the money's right, the player's very good. Um, you know, he's first team quality goalkeeper. Maybe he's a, he's a much cheaper option than what well, I say. Maybe he's definitely a much cheaper option than Dean Henderson in the summer as well. If you get him now, great. But I don't understand really the hate towards Kaylon Navas. Kaylon Navas is a Champions League winning goalkeeper, he's a regular. Champions League contributor for PSG currently. He's, yeah, he's 36. Fine, I get that argument, right? But the deal discussed is a loan to the end of the season. If you've got Kaylor Navas and Dean Henderson, two goalkeepers, I think that's absolutely fantastic options to have. Um, let's be honest, PSG don't care about Kaylor Navas' game time, do they? Right? They don't care whether he plays a single minute. But until Henderson comes back, you've got Navas. And then in the summer, if Navas likes it here, a one-year deal for Kaylor Navas for a couple of million quid isn't bad business. Married on the Midlands, uh, one of the things that Steve Cooper commented about is that actually the, the fixture situation buys Forrest a bit of time because Henderson, when we're not in the FA Cup, Henderson can't play against Man United anyway. So there's now talk that he might be back for the Fulham match, which means effectively he only really misses one more game against against Leeds. We had some people in the poll saying we don't need to sign anyone else. So what do you think? 
yeah, I mean, if he's going to be back so soon, then absolutely, we, there's no real need to uh, sign a goalkeeper now. Um, if it is Lovakovic Le- 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 is is a serious long term option, then it might it might be well worthwhile signing him now um, if we can, because he, he, he certainly impressed during the World Cup. Um, if if the club if, that, if he's if he's somebody that's been on the club's radar for a while and and he would would could provide a long term solution to the goalkeeping problem, then by all means you could sign him now. I don't think that'd be a terrible decision because we're going to just have the same issue again in the summer when when Henderson's uh, loan runs out. Um, the Navas one, I, I wouldn't sign him. There's there's a number of legitimate concerns about him. One is his age, so yeah, he's the same age as. As Hennessy, so some of the problems we've seen with him, Hennessy, we might see with Navas. Um, also, he hasn't played all season, just the same as Hennessy. He only really played at the World Cup. Uh, he's never played in England. I don't know if he can speak English. That that'll be a bit of an issue. Um, and I, I'm too, he might he might be taller than I think he is, but he's never struck me as being a particularly big or physical goalkeeper. He's looked quite small on on TV when I've seen him play. So. Would he be suited to the hustle and bustle of the Premier League? So, and finally, the cost of it. I mean, if, if his wages are sort of quarter of a million pounds a week, that's totally unjustifiable for a, potentially a reserve goalkeeper. So, I think mean, there are plenty of legitimate concerns to sort of put us off signing Navas. But if if Henderson is going to be fit that soon, then by all means, uh, not sign anybody would be fine for now. Tom, I've got two words to as an argument against signing Kaylor Navas. Uh... Hugo Lloris, you see that his form and his physicality has just dropped off a cliff um, in the last year. And he just isn't able to do the same job as a goalkeeper because he's just not athletic enough and he's he's not elastic enough. And and he's younger than Navas. So that's my argument. Discuss. I'm just got my concern is regarding Navas is Henderson's going to be fit in the next week or so. I just don't see the point I'd rather get Lovakovic than pay that money and he's out beyond this season so but that's me and the concern is like Navas good goalkeeper he's proved that with his um, honours over the years but do we really need a one of Henderson could be back in a matter of weeks and Lovakovic is there in terms of if you pay the money he's out Baz just just briefly we, we discussed uh, in our Man United match report it's like well, the thing with signing Hennessy as a number two is that he's a number two and therefore, by definition, not as good as the number one. And any goalkeeper who wants to be a number one isn't going to be happy when he's not playing. Yeah. Um, and the, well, the, the other thing about bringing someone, if, if Henderson's back quick, then, then yeah, this isn't, this isn't an issue. But if, it's, if it is going to be like another six weeks or whatever, I think, and again, we mentioned this in the, in the match report, is... A big part of it is that presence, that commanding the area, commanding the defence, and and what, what riling up the fans. And we had Brees Samba doing that for the last couple of years, and we've had Henderson, who's capable of doing that. You get someone in who doesn't know the country, doesn't speak the language, and knows that he's here because he's old and on a short-term loan. And are you going to get the same thing? 
Mm. By the way, I should point out that I have no idea whether Kaylor Navas speaks English or not. He might do, he might not. But um, but yeah, I think there's lots of lots of legitimate concerns about an old player on big, big money. Now, let's move on um, and let's talk about one of the players who um, just briefly married on the Midlands, one of the players who we have signed this window, who is Chris Wood. Um, were you surprised at that signing? I was a bit, yes. Um I think he's he's been a great player down the years and sort of especially down in, in the when we were in the championship about ten years ago, he, he would have been an ideal signing for us uh then. Um he does I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Newcastle let him go because uh, I watched a couple of, sort of Newcastle games over Christmas and, and he, he seemed to be playing fairly regularly then. So he, he seemed to be a, a, an important member of their squad. Um but yeah, he, I can I can understand it as a loan signing. It's a brilliant loan signing. From between now and the end of the season, he offers that bit of stature up front that we may be missing in away games um, to potentially hold the ball up and chip in with a few goals and what have you. Um, long term, I'm not so sure if it would be a, a great signing. I don't I don't like that um, clause in the contract where we'll have to buy him if he if he. Uh, meets the stipulations. I'm I'm not sure as a long term signing he fits in with the sort of profile player we want. And at his age, how how much value would we get out of him? Um, I was talking to Stephen off air when we did the uh, Bournemouth match report. I was I was thinking, well, we've gone from signing players like O'Brien and Topolo in the summer to uh, Scarper and Danilo now. And almost the Chris Wood signings were all almost so we were accelerating at such pace, uh, moving so 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 far forward that we're almost past the Chris Wood signing sort of stage already. It almost seems like he he won't be good enough in a, in six months' time to get into our squad. So I'm not sure. I think we probably had to put the comp- uh, compulsion to buy him just to convince Newcastle to let him go, so he, they can get him off their books in the in the summer. But I'm not sure if that'd be a great deal for us. Uh, Baz, just very, very quickly. Um, I, my concern about Wood is that he doesn't fit into the kind of number 10 with wide strikers system. But then on Wednesday, we saw that we needed the option of going 4-2-3-1 with, with sort of an out-and-out centre-forward. And I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons that Wood has also, apart from just needing bodies on the pitch, I'm wondering if that's part of the reason that Wood's been signed. Yeah, and also my Newcastle supporting friend, when I when I asked how how is it, how's he done this season, he says the big advantage of him is he works so hard and presses so high up the pitch, he will take two or three defenders out, which will then leave space for the others, which when you've got John Owen Gibbs-White next to him, that's actually exactly what we need. Mm, OK, um, now we've we've mentioned Gustavo Scarpa. Uh, plenty of times in our recent match reports but let's just talk a little bit about Danilo um before we have a quick chat about him let's uh hear from Brazilian football journalist Natalie Guedra and she was talking on the Totally Football show we have been following Danilo and, and he's the next big thing uh in Palmeiras which is the most competitive team in Brazil alongside uh Flamengo so he's very young he's 21 so there's the good part of it there's a lot to develop there and he's kind of this modern midfielder he's a good passer he he uh defends well uh, he's everywhere on the pitch so very energetic um uh, he has a good air ball as well but 
at the same time, he is very young and he's the shy type. He's mm. very shy. So I don't know uh, which type of immediate impact he can have, but there's a lot to explore on him. There's a lot of potential. Let's hear what Steve Cooper has to say about Danilo. Um, so we need to make sure that he's, he's settled both on and off the pitch first and then um, and really push him to get the best out of him. And like you said, with his age, the exciting bit is that however good he may uh, may be, at that age, you've still got a lot to, to learn and improve and, and to, to show. So um, we look forward to, to being on his journey. And, and with that as well, Cooper went on to, to point out that Danilo doesn't really speak much English, but he also said that it's very, very helpful to have two other Brazilians at the club there. Um, obviously, we know that Scarpa speaks perfect English. Um, Renan Lodi, um, Cooper did um, shine a bit of a light on that. Renan Lodi could basically say the p- basic things that any tourist could please thank you hello goodbye but apparently his english is 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 really good um now so so there's and and of course danilo is a young man so uh he will hopefully be be able to to learn baz what do you want to say i just i, I like to uh, steve cooper's uh, little dig as well where he said we've given all the players like little portuguese comment sheets um i don't know how jack colbat's going to deal with that <laughs> yeah okay yeah <laughs> let's 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 keep talking about Danilo Tom what did what did what have you made of Danilo's sort of uh, I think he's played about about 100 minutes in a forest shirt so far I'm saying that's still it's just settling in isn't it I mean you made the odd mistake against Man U but who didn't and I don't really want to like highlight them because um he made that pass uh for Gibbs White to give to uh, Surridge on Wednesday and I think for the age he is uh, I think we've got a top player and if we can improve him and everybody around him improve then I'm going to look forward to seeing him in the coming months and years. And and just to come back to you Baz uh, just briefly I mean there's a huge amount of promise there but but just as importantly I think he's the kind of profile of player that that isn't currently in the squad would you agree? Yeah it's, it's um more than Emmanuel Dennis, I think Danilo's quite a statement signing. Is basically saying this is where we're going to be. We're going to be getting the best players and bringing them in and developing them. It's not just buying old old fellas. It's it's yeah taking this is we're building the future of the club here. Yeah, um, Maradon the Midlands, uh, Radio Nottingham were making the point just recently. It's like. Uh, in the January transfer window uh, last year, we signed Steve Cook, who couldn't get into Championship team Bournemouth. We signed Keenan Davis, who was a Premier League player but couldn't get into Premier League Aston Villa, uh, and 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 signing Richie Larea, who couldn't get into the into the Forest squad. Full stop. In the end, um, the 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 level has just gone up an absolute notch, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's really astonishing. Um, just just the the. the um... The quality of player we're signing now is 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 really quite amazing. It's, it's almost like a dream. You could not have imagined that the club that was signing Lyle Taylor not so long ago, um, and and other players of his ilk, we're we're buying bong. We're bong. Yeah, we've signed a current Brazilian international, well, two current Brazilian internationals, include Lodi. It's um. It's the sort of thing you'd expect the the big big clubs in Italy or Spain or or or, or England to do. Not not little old Nottingham Forest. It's uh, it's really really exciting. And uh, 
This podcast about Little and Nottingham Forest is going to take a little break. In a few minutes, we'll be back with an interview with the founder of mental health organisation Blokes, and we'll have our Forest quiz. But first, it's time for this. The 1865 sketch by Jeremy Davis. It's been something of a relief in the wake of Forest's 3-0 first leg defeat in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup to hear all of the coverage fawning over Manchester United, Marcus Rashford and Wack Weghorst and pretty much ignoring the fact that there was another team on the pitch who could well have been level at half-time with better luck and a less stupid offside rule. For all that the likes of Jonathan Wilson and Martin Keown have made my blood boil with their dismissive attitude towards Forrest this season and their insistence that you can't hope to stay up with 23 new signings, which will hopefully be Wilson's you-win-nothing-with-kids equivalent, I must confess to feeling a sense of unease at the largely positive turn mainstream media coverage of Forrest progress has taken in recent weeks, particularly since reaching the semi-final. I'd rather stay under the radar, so it was good to see the coverage getting back to normal after Wednesday's defeat. I get that not many in the media will be as obsessed with the club as we are, but it did take it to another level, rather, when close personal friend of the Maradona of the Midlands, Max Rushton, pronounced on the Guardian podcast this week that he hadn't realised Brennan Johnson was David Johnson's son. Now, I know he's had other things on his mind in the past couple of years, what with emigrating to Australia and becoming a father himself, so can't pay close attention to every club outside the top four, but I felt like emailing in to ask if he was aware of the relationship between today Brian and Nigel Clough. Another leading light of British culture who took a keen interest in fraught father-son relationships was, of course, none other than Mr. William Shakespeare. I thought of Shakespearean tragedy in the wake of the Carabao Cup semi-final first leg, particularly after Rich pointed out that even though the scoreline matched the result of the December meeting at Old Trafford, the match itself was very different. And in the same way as the lazy old refrain that if you've seen one Shakespearean tragedy, you've seen them all, can be dismissed as literary laziness. Hamlet and Macbeth, for instance, might have a similar setup focused on the death of a king, and both end up the same way with the protagonist dead with a sword sticking out of him. But the events in between tell two very different stories. Football was a very different game when Shakespeare was writing, of course, which even predates the introduction of the back pass rule. As a master of comic and dramatic timing, one shudders to think how he would feel about VAR, although probably not much differently from Forest fans after Surridge's disallowed goal. Football doesn't feature in Hamlet or Macbeth, although it does get a mention in King Lear when thou base football player is hurled as an insult, presumably referring to the player at the base of the midfield diamond. Which just goes to show how far we've come in the intervening 500 years since the holding midfielder is now one of the most coveted players on the field. In Hamlet, the key antagonist is the eponymous hero's uncle, and it's harder to find a direct point of comparison in football, perhaps if Harry Redknapp had taken over at Everton, which would cast Frank Lampard as Hamlet, Big Dunk as his trusted sidekick Horatio, and I suppose Deli Alley and Donny van der Beek as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the hapless duo parachuted in to try to get to the bottom of the malaise, only to be swiftly written out of the story before it reaches its inevitably depressing denouement. Macbeth is, of course, frequently referred to simply as the Scottish play. So David Moyes spring to mind, but a more apt comparison might be the situation at Leeds. What with a beloved and wise old king deposed to make way for a brash young pretender who talks in tortured metaphor. 
Macbeth comes to a sticky end when Burnham Wood comes to Dunsinane. So if Forrest do manage to beat Leeds next weekend, Jesse Marsh gets his marshing orders. At least he can comfort himself in the knowledge that he is fulfilling a truly Shakespearean destiny. Hopefully that's the last we see of Shakespearean tragedy this season at Forest. Although for that to happen, it must be hoped that Wayne Hennessy and the Forest defence stop trying to recreate the comedy of errors. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Home now. Tom is a Nottingham Forest supporter. He's also the founder of Blokes, and you may have seen them tweeting out about all kinds of issues to do with mental health. Um, Tom, welcome to 1865. No, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Okay. Now, what is Blokes and why should we be interested? So Blokes is a not-for-profit community interest company, um, which essentially is is fairly similar to a charity. Um, and basically, we provide men who are aged 18 and over with a safe online space to, to talk about their thoughts and feelings, to meet like-minded people, and really to get to get stuff off their chest. Um, so via our website, uh, as I say, men who are 18 and over can create a free account and join join an online space where men are sharing their experiences, um, giving advice based on their own kind of mental health journeys, uh, and really just supporting each other to, to open up and talk. Um, I think from personal experience, there's something very powerful about men supporting men in particular and almost validating each other's feelings and, and letting each other know that it's not it's not weak to talk. It's 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 okay to speak about how you're feeling, and there's absolutely no shame in in having down days. Mm, okay, and of course, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you at this time of year is because January is well known as apparently being the most depressing month of the year. What you mentioned in terms of that kind of peer to peer support, I'm guessing that a lot of that is the stuff that people will go onto your platform and it'll be stuff that they're not quite sure if it's okay to talk about. So, for example, relationship stuff, it could be stuff to do with jobs, could be to do with money. Uh, am, am I on the right lines? Yeah, I think, to be honest, ever since we started the platform, we've we've had a real array of different topics of conversation, you know, and that is literally from, as I say, guys who who aren't necessarily... Um, who well, who haven't been diagnosed with any form of mental illness, but maybe just be having a, a rough day or a bad week at work, or they might have had an argument with a with a, a a wife, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whoever it may be, through to to as I say, guys who have been living with mental illness for the majority of their life. So there really is an array of there's an array of men, there's an array of experiences, there's an array of advice and opinions that that have definitely been shared. Um, so, yeah, no, you, you're, you're exactly on the right lines. And I think the thing is that, you know, no two people's experience of mental illness is the same. Um, it's such a personal thing and it's such a... I think, I think to be honest, it's, it's also one of those things where, and again, for guys in particular, it can be very difficult to, to talk and to vocalise and it can be very... Be very daunting to vocalise because 
you know, you probably don't know or you're worried about the reaction that you're going to get if you do talk about how you're feeling. You maybe don't know who or where to turn to. Or, you know, alternatively, which I, you know, I I know a lot of guys have this mindset of I'll just keep plowing ahead and I'll just I'll just kind of I'll deal with things as and when they come. So it's almost like that kind of sort of keep your head down and carry on mentality, which mm. you know, essentially just brushes things under the rug and, and just, just makes things worse in the long run. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, there's many of us who can relate to that. Now, I do just want to move on to the Nottingham Forest connection because as well as being a Forest supporter yourself, um, there is somebody at the club who uh, who is connected to blokes, isn't there? Tell us a bit more. There is. So um, the fantastic Ryan Yates is, um, yeah, is our is one of our ambassadors, which... Um, I mean, it's it's definitely it was an incredibly proud moment for me when he when he agreed to come on board as an ambassador. I mean, obviously over over the last sort of twelve to eighteen months, you know, he's he spoke about his own experiences with with mental health problems, and I think when you've got somebody like Ryan who is so beloved by the fan base and is such a genuinely good person, I think. It it, it 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 makes for such a powerful, honest message around mental health. And I think, you know, Ryan's honesty, transparency, and as I say, genuineness just fitted with everything we were trying to promote. And, you know, it all started off with me um, sending him a message on Instagram asking to, to send him a bobble hat. Just, and I think this was actually... I think I'd read an article in the Nottingham Post or something about that he had he'd been interviewed for speaking about sort of you know issues with with sort of mental or not necessarily issues with mental health problems but certainly you know dealing with the pressures of being a professional footballer and all the things that go with that and I think it was kind of ever since then it really struck a chord with me that article and I wanted to almost reach out as a token of thanks to offer him a bubble hat and just yeah the conversation kind of just went from there and I passed on some more information about blokes and obviously being Nottingham-based and what we were trying to achieve. And, yeah, you know, there's been no looking back. He's he's just, yeah, I mean, he's just been an absolute dream, to be honest. He's, he, he can never do enough to help. And, you know, like I say, he's, he's such a good person that, um, yeah, we're very fortunate to have him on board. Tom, let's just talk about you uh, watching Forrest. Um, if I was to put you on the spot, favourite player? Well, I can't say Yatesy, can I? <laughs> you certainly uh, can. <laughs> do you know what? Apart from Yatesy, I will go with... It's got to be Brennan. I think Brennan. I think it's been... I think just the fact that he's a homegrown lad and, you know, he's come so far and he's just... I think he embodies everything that Forrest is about and what it means to be a Forest player, very much, very much like Yatesy and, and, and Joe Worrell. And it just, yeah, I, he's just been a complete game changer. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think it's yeah. fantastic. Okay. Um, we do have to leave it there, Tom, but before we go, how can any listeners um, get involved either by accessing the platform or even get involved with the work that you're doing? So uh, for anybody who's interested, who wants to read some more about blokes or, or even sign up to the forum, um, it's www.blokes.life. 
Um, or if anybody wants to email me with any questions or, or for any more information, my email is tom at blokes.life. Great. And uh, we can find you as well if you just search for blokes on uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, I think it's underscore blokes, isn't it? So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so we can find you there. All right. Thank you much, Tom. Really uh, a pleasure having you here. Um, thank you and enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks so much. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Thank you very much to Jeremy, as always, for the sketch. And thank you to Tom Home from Blokes for joining us. Now, from mental health to mentality, we had a comment on our YouTube channel from Martin Askovic, who said that defeats the likes of the top three or four aren't the end of the world, as long as the team preserve their mental strength. Baz, uh, it occurred to me after we recorded our, our report from the Carabao Cup semi-final that... It reminded me a bit of when we played Fulham last season, just when Steve Cooper had not long taken over, whereby it's one of those where you just hold your hands up and just say, Forest weren't good, but the opposition were just on another level. And of course, another level in the Premier League, you know, our season's not going to be defined by the results against the Premier League top four or even top six, is it? It's not, no. Um, but I'd say, yeah, the two Man U games, I've said this during the report, the two Man U games show a difference because the away game, we just didn't, we weren't even at the races. We, we didn't look like we believed we belonged there. Whereas the the second one, we we matched them for 25 minutes or whatever. And it was, it was mistakes and a little bit of uh, brilliance from them. But that's very, very different to the start of the season with... Um, Man City and Arsenal or Leicester or Bournemouth even, where we just collapsed and we we gave up. Um, we've got a bit of fight about us. We we can do this now. We believe we can do this. It's just a matter of cutting out the errors and doing it for 95 minutes. Uh, and married on the Midlands, the fact that Cooper was talking after the league match at Old Trafford and saying they needed to show, you know, they're good enough. They needed to show more belief that they're good enough to, to do better than that. Yeah, it's so much of it is is down to mindset these days. Um, they, they, it's really something you have to work on. There's, there's that phrase mentality monster in football these days, where if you look at it, a lot of the players in, in, in the Premier League are going to be of a, of a similar level. And so it just comes down to having that, that mental strength uh, to just sort of keep on going and um, go through the adversity. Um, and I think we've shown that. I, I think a great example of that was the Leicester game. Um, on on the day, Leicester probably played better than us for the, up until when we scored. Um, and they, you could see that players like Tielemans had great touches to them, great quality on the ball, and one or two of their other players. But they had zero determination and zero team spirit. Once once they'd fallen behind, there was no way they were going to get back into the game because it just wasn't there. And so um, that really gave me um, hope and optimism for Forest because you could see, although we might not have players that are as good as some of the other teams, we, have, we are really top of the league in terms of uh, team spirit, determination. Um, and that, I think that's going to see us through well to the end of the season. Okay, thank you very much. Now, Tom... Um, in our group chat, you had said that you wanted to have a little bit of a rant. So um, you want to talk about VAR. So you've got a minute. The floor is yours. It's tongue in cheek, this is, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some computer whiz who can just Photoshop players 
been level and not level just to protect the uh, top six clubs because if we're saying like if if a player's got a size eight boot and the other player's got a size ten boot, well, that's nature at the end of the day, isn't it? You can't have everybody with the same size ten feet, if you know what I mean. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's some like super editing within that space, you know, until we actually see the the image at the VAR and some computer whizzes just messing around with it just to preserve the uh, position of the top six clubs in this country. Uh, I will say, I don't understand why the line was drawn where, for, for Story Fee's goal, why the line was drawn where it was. It didn't, it, I, I don't know if it was just the, the image I'd seen, but it, it didn't make any sense why it was actually drawn there. Do you think that the camera angle on the main stand roof for VAR is a disadvantage for us? Because it's not like you say, it's on the angle, isn't it? So, you know, if you have like it square on, I don't know for VAR, you know, like having the like 100 meter sprints at the Olympics, have a, um, a camera on a track or and, it's, and it's level with vertically, vertically down. Yeah, I just, I just don't get it. So, um, I think that I think there's some Netflix <laughs> drama levels of conspiracy theory going on here, <laughs> married on the Midlands. Maybe it's, maybe it's an AI thing and it's just been trained on the big six winning everything, so it thinks that's what happens. Well, there is, there is that meme that goes around on Twitter, isn't there, saying checking club badge offside. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, make of that what you will. Let's move on from there. Let's move on from there because <laughs> it's time for something new. 1865, the Nottingham Forest Quiz. Yes, it's time for 1865, the Nottingham Forest Quiz. Um, you've heard Guess That Red, which is our previous quiz, and we may hear back from that in the future. But right now, I'm going to give you some questions which come from a forest quiz book, the Nottingham Forest Quiz Book by Chris Carpenter, which was a gift from my parents-in-law at Christmas. So strap yourselves in. I'm going to ask five questions about the Reds and our panel are going to buzz in, as in shout out their name, if they know the answer. And uh, let's see how we get on. So the first question today, panel, what is the capacity of the city ground? Is it A? 30,445, is it B, 31,545, or is it C, 32,454 at the time of publication? Maradon the Midlands. A. The official answer given in the book is A, 30,445. Of course, this is at the time of publication, and we've lost some capacity because of corporate seats and press box and so on and so forth so so a point to the married on the midlands well done okay next question again multiple choice who or what is the current club mascot is it a (laughs) is it a captain canary b robin hood or c sherwood the bear tom has gone for b robin hood we yes, may change that question to who or what should be the club mascot. <laughs> well, I'm just trying I, to I get a point on the board. <laughs> Baz, Baz and I agree on who should be the, uh, the the. So the official answer is yes, Robin Hood. He returned after three year absence in 2018. Sherwood the Bear was the original mascot from 97 to 20, 2007 and also from 2015 to 2017. But the second iteration of Sherwood, I think Baz and I would agree, was, was nothing. No, no, <laughs> no. Okay. So one point to Tom um, and an honorary point to Baz. Uh, Question three, who has made the most appearances 
for Nottingham Forest in total. So you've got A, Viv Anderson, B, Ian Bowyer, or C, Bob McKinley. Tom. Go on, Tom. C, Bob McKinley. Bob McKinley has made the most appearances for the club. He played in 692 first-team matches from 1951 to 1970. So an, another point to Tom, who takes the lead. Okay, this one, if you're a keen listener to Jeremy's sketches over the years, you should know this. Who is the club's record goal scorer? Is it A, Johnny Dent, B, Grenville Morris, or C, John Robertson? Tom. Go on, Tom. Grenville Morris. Grenville Morris is Nottingham Forest's record goal scorer with 217 goals in all competitions from 1898 to 1913, which is just about when Baz started watching Forest matches. <laughs> And then the last one um, for today, who is the fastest ever goal scorer for Nottingham Forest? Is it A, Stan Collymore, B, Jack Lester, or C, Paul Smith? Maradona. Oh, I'm going to give it to Baz. Uh, Jack Lester. Jack Lester. Maradona, what are you going to say? Jack Lester, yes. Yeah, well... The answer, the official answer is Jack Lester. I think uh, it was after 14 seconds. Maradona the Midlands, you and I were sat together for that match, weren't we? We were, yeah. We, yeah. On, a, on a weeknight, re-e-wine. And the crowd say, oh, Jack Lester. Jack Lester. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to the polls just to finish off for today. Um, so I asked you, the fans, which position should be the top priority for Forrest to strengthen? Uh, goalkeeper, 7.8%. Attacking midfield, 1.4%. Centre-forward, 19.3%. And centre-back came in at 71.5%. Although Tom Faulkner did comment and say, we need a winger. Um, any comments there from the panel? Well, it's just been it's mentioned right. It's just been mentioned this morning by Alan Nixon, so take it with a pinch of salt. Um Forest might be interested in signing by Leverkusen uh, defender Jonathan Tarr, who is one of the up-and-coming defenders in Europe at the moment. So if we somehow get hands on him, he could be a very good player for, okay. uh, for us. Finally, I ask this every month now, what position will Forest finish in the Premier League table? So we've got 1.9% of people who think that we will finish in the top eight, we've got 22.7 who think we'll finish nine to 13. Uh, we've got 72.7% who think we'll finish 14th to 17th and 2.7% who think we'll be relegated. People seem pretty confident we're not going to get relegated. So fingers crossed on that one. And that's where we call it a day for today. So thank you, everyone. Thank you to Baz, to Married on the Midlands and to Tom, to Callum for the news roundup and to Adam for his cameo appearance. A big thanks once again to Tom Home from Blokes. Do check them out and don't be scared to reach out. And thank you to Jeremy for the sketch. Most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us. You know what I'm going to say. If you like what you hear, please do share our podcast with other Forest fans via social media. Leave us a review with a lovely comment, especially if you use Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with a report from Old Trafford in midweek and then back to league action with our Leeds match report next weekend, which we're definitely going to be going to. Until then, look after yourselves and each other. Podcast Network.